Hey, everybody. Really fun interview today. We have Farouk, uh, the founder of Rug Radio, the co-host of GM NFTs. And we have him on to discuss the current state of affairs in the NFT market. You know, whether he thinks that we're at the bottom or we, you know, could go lower. We take a look at his incredible NFT collection. Uh, he's even got a bunch of rare Pepes, which I was really surprised to see. You know, when we talk about the difference between fine art and collectibles NFTs, you know, NFTs that could be auctioned by Sotheby's versus NFTs that kind of represent ownership in a startup. And then last but not least, we talk about content and media in the NFT space. So all in all, really cool episode. Uh, as always, this content is sponsored by FTX. You can sign up at the nifty.com slash FTX or with the code the nifty on your FTX mobile app. Hey, everybody. A reminder, nothing in this video is financial advice. We are not financial advisors. The NFT space is incredibly risky, so always do your own research. And if you enjoy the content, please hit the like button and smash the subscribe button. And today, we have a special guest, CryptoPunk owner, the founder of Rug Radio, and the host of the GM NFT's morning Twitter show, Farouk. What's going yo, yo, yo. on? What up? What's up, fam? How y'all doing? Thank you doing for having Doing good. Me. I like oh. how you introduced him as a crypto punk owner. Yeah, I thought it was funny too. It's like, <laughs> bro, crypto punk owner. I mean, I'm a dick butt owner too. I think that's more important. But it, it me as well. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> you yeah, guys both his. have punks and dick butts. Yes, I did sell my dick butt. Um, but no, we're thrilled to have you, Farouk. Um, you know, for people that don't know, Farouk is a, a major figure in the NFT space. Uh, you were early clubhouse and then, you know, rolled into Twitter NFTs, you know, January 2021 time period. Uh, you know, you're an owner of some really notable NFTs like we talked about founder of the Rug Radio, you know, company and, and NFT project and the host of GM NFTs, you know, one of the most notable Twitter spaces in the NFT space Monday through Friday, co-hosted by OSF and Mando. Um, you know, we, we love chatting with you, man. And we're excited to just talk about the current state of affairs in the NFT space, because we are in a unique time in the space to say the least, you know, what do you make of what's going on right now in the market? It seems like volume is just going lower and lower and, you know, we're post cycle. Meanwhile, crypto is kind of pumping a little bit. Uh, it's almost like we've seen bottom there. Are we going to the bottom of the NFTs? I would just love to hear your perspective on what's going on right now. I mean, first of all, thank you for the introduction. I really appreciate that. Obviously I'm a fan of you guys love Nifty portal. And, uh, you know, it's, um, the state of NFTs, I think, is just like something that was meant to happen and about to happen. I mean, we hit a, we were all part of it. We were all part of euphoria. We were all part of the crazy up only uh, thing. Like it was, it was insane. It was a, a little too crazy. It's great. It's uh, and now that I think back on it, because we also host the show every morning, Monday Friday, like you guys. So we go over the market, and lately it's just the same thing on reverse. Well, nothing much aside from oh that happened and this happened. There's a couple topical things, but nothing groundbreaking or massive yet. Of course, because I feel like people are just building in this time right now. But it's um, the current state, I think, is just like, you know, like it was predicted by many people that preceded all of us. It's bear market, builder's market, you know, things that went up only now have gone severely down. Bottom and mid projects are having a trouble hitting new high. Like it's very hard now when you have a project. And you guys know, because I think you're in the same position as we are, but like to hit 0.5 ETH, 1 ETH, or to get to break the ice there, to go there. Like before it was like anything gets to 3, 5, 10 ETH, or you know, almost like. But now it's like, it's really hard. It's uh, expectations are higher. 
you know, the game has changed, you know? So it's, uh, that's the current state of affairs. I think in NFT is the game has completely changed and uh, you have to adapt right now or, or you're not going to make it through over time. I'm curious um, from when you got in, uh, you started, when did you buy your first NFT? My first NFT was uh, Micah Johnson, Aku Genesis, uh, February, oh, 20, yeah, fe February 21st, uh, 2021. Tw February 2021? Yeah. Yeah. Same week. Oh, that was I last thought... year. Sorry. I, I was confused yeah. about years for a second. I was thinking 20, uh, 2020. Yeah, <laughs> um, so, okay, cool. So that's approximately similar time to when I got in, except uh, mm -hmm. I, did, I was not participating in Nifty Gateway. So you, uh, like... What drove you to get involved in actually like collecting? What was the trigger for that? I mean, I guess many things, right? I always loved collectibles as a whole, whether it was like little car collectibles, Pokemon cards, like, you know, stuff like that. So it was always part of that. sneakers. I'm big sneakerhead uh, stuff. And also, um, you know, the movement, the, the actual art, you know, like the meme, like here for the art, like that it was actually the art that got me in. Like it was because growing up, like I always loved art as a kid. I was raised around a lot of art. And uh, well, I freaked out. I was like, wait, he's playing something. <laughs> I thought I was playing something. Uh, but but I grew up around a lot of art. Like at home, my mother worked with artists. She's 18. She fled from Iran in Paris. She worked with, with some very large artists like Agam, Vazarelli, like, you know, all these people. And so I grew up around it. And so being a social media kid, like when I saw the cross of like social media, tech and art, like I jumped in and immediately was like, I want to start collecting and I want to start participating with it. Like the I started my journey by collecting, like, I found out what NFT was on the night of February 18th, 2021. And two days later, I had my first NFT. Like there was no, it was yeah, like, no it, for me, it's like, I have to get in now. That's awesome. I mean, I found out the fall before, and then I ended up buying my first one the same week as you. This one on the screen was the third one that I bought. I actually bought it on the secondary uh, versus the mint, which I, I had to, it already had almost 2x in those couple of days. And that was like my first taste. Yeah, of watching how quickly things could appreciate in the market. You know, you talked about being a social media kid. I think that some people know about your background, but I'd actually love to know because you were early social media, right? You've basically been doing it since you were like in your early teens or maybe even younger. And, and you know, you got to Clubhouse, you had Instagram brands. My understanding of those brands, were those luxury goods brands that you were running? So here's how it all started. Like I've been, I've been, I'm like a social media kid. Like that's fully like, you know, I was raised with memes, like memes, like made, made us, you know, like, it's like, it's like kind of like how it worked out. And like, when I was 12 years old was when Facebook came out and I was always super curious about like what the hell was going on, on social. So I started making memes at the age of like 12, 13. And I was just like growing pages to fuck around on those platforms. Right. And so then like when I was 14 years old, I started a blog on Tumblr, which I always loved luxury. Like I was a, a passionate for cars like it, at, at my mom's house so i still have all my little like big like memorabilia cars or hot wheels whatever i was like a nut for that so i started a blog about cool cars that i like like fine craftsmanship and then i i i, I love fashion like my first job when i was 14 years old I was working for like uh, i was selling clothing you know and like shoes in the store right so i love that stuff so i went to blog about all things so i started that a luxury centered blog on tumblr and I feel like Tumblr is where a lot of the OGs, like internet kids are born because Tumblr was like really like gifts and like memes, like really like the Tumblr crowd was really like, you know, like biggest example, honestly, of stuff like that is like that culture was born in Tumblr is like Virgil used to like be a Tumblr like type of like rest in peace. Like a lot of these people, like it was born in the whole Tumblr scene. Right. And uh, and uh, and so, yeah, I moved into Instagram. I was 
I don't know, in 2014, what is that? Like 18, 17, 18 years old, 16. Um, and, um, and the way I saw it is that I moved that luxury sort of like theme page onto IG. And that was one of the first in 24, November, 2014. But what I saw was further than I was like, if I start multiple pages on multiple topics, then one day I'll be able to start media channels and sell advertisement on those media channels, no matter the topic of discussion. So it brushed out of luxury. It was like luxury and love and cars and like specifically and nature and life hacks and funny videos and meme pages. So it's like, I had like 30, 40 Instagram pages at some point. Like, I don't know how many tens of millions of followers and running an ad network across those. Wow. I, I did not know the extent of it, Nick. It looked like you had a question to follow up. Oh, yeah. And, and so, I mean, it sounds like there was always this love of luxury goods that makes for an easy, you know, transition to the NFT space. There's people that participate in the NFT space, you know, buying lower end stuff and flipping it. There's people that come in and buy things like CryptoPunks. I know you've bought some really notable cool cats. Is there a single purchase that you look at in your collection where you're like, thank God I bought that one. I'd imagine maybe it's a punk, maybe it's an ape, you know, maybe it's one of those rare cool cats, but yeah, could you kind of share some of your most notable purchases to you? And then maybe we can use that to transition into what projects you're most bullish on for the future. I mean, my, my, one of my most notable was like my first punk. Like that's like, that's like the most meaningful thing ever, right? Like punk 1676. I think it was April or May, I forgot May 5th, 2021, something like that. May, I think. Um, and, and that was obviously the, that punks were what, like 19 ETH at the time, uh, the floor, which was 4k ETH though. So it was around 50 grand, but so that was, yeah, that one, that punk 1776. So you could probably see a date on the chain, but that was the one that was my front Pierre mole punk. <laughs> he a little ugly, but he's a punk. Right. And then <laughs> see a year ago, there you go. May what? May 5th. Right. So it looks like the date is May 6th, 6th. and yeah, the U.S. dollar value was 68K. Oh, my God. 28th was 68K. Damn. Yeah. Um, whoa. I miss those days. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, oh, yo, 28th was like 20 grand. It's like we a couple of weeks ago. Anyways, <laughs> so that was one of my most notable purchases I love. Of course, like my first apes. Like I was buying apes. Like my first it was like 0.2 ETH and then 1 ETH and then 0.3. Like I was buying apes on May 1st. 2021 the day after it minted out right it was like i was just buying apes then and i've owned a few apes since like whether i bought them sold them so i bought an ape also at 22 ETH early on like a bunch of i did i timed my apes pretty well and those are my notable purchases and on the art side i think when i bought um the x copy not long ago like most recently in the notable terms for me that was like super special to me is the x copy the doomed edition of 100 it's x copies genesis non-origin mint so if you go to my wallet right now uh yeah if you're gonna go find it like that it's pretty hard so go to my wallet it's gonna be easier um here and put doomed d-o-o-m-e there it is that's the one that that's called there so uh the doomed is actually minted by xcopy in october 2018 it's his genesis known origin edition and mint in general and it's super hard to find a 2018 mint from xcopy like pre-19 just so you know that's why 1819 is worth a lot instead of 100 but good luck finding someone who wants to sell it to you. So I bought it not mm. long ago for 18 ETH, which was the equivalent of $50,000. The person bought it in 2019 for $7. And the wow. funny thing about this edition is X copy and X copy, use that for motivational purposes. It took him 437 days to mint out, to sell all 100 different at an average price of 0.07 ETH or some shit, which was $7. Anyways, an average was $7. And I know that because I researched his Twitter from then. And he wrote about it a lot. And I wrote a whole thread about it that you can find on my Twitter. But 
that was like super special because I can't afford in a one of one X copy. You're looking at 250, 300, 400 ETH, right? And stuff like even good luck finding an old one. And when I found out about this and someone tipped me off on it, some there was this guy, this old school collector, skinny. He's like an OG artist, art collector, you know. Um, and he um he accepted to sell it to me. He had it listed at 18, and now it's like maybe 30, 40 floor, but it's not even about that. It's just like there's maybe one or two for sale. I, like nobody wants to sell the dupe. It's like an iconic, like it's in the description. I'm internet is not going to save us something like that and it's just like um it's very iconic you know so i'm curious when you're buying these so like before uh, i'll tell you for myself when i first bought my ape for example and some of these other items that i was buying i genuinely viewed them uh the ape i don't know i actually liked and i enjoyed owning and for and ultimately it was like the first one was 450 bucks so it wasn't like gonna you know, a, a, that going to zero wasn't gonna like make it make a difference in my yeah. in my life. Um, if I bought something at that time for thirty thousand dollars and it went to zero, I would have been like, "Holy shit, I'm an idiot." Um, and so, and so w when you when you think about collecting these, because you gave an example of cars, fashion, other items like that, when you like when you were thinking about those, was that from a perspective of just like flexing and being like, look, I've made money uh, in the, no. in, um, in my life. Or were you actually thinking at that moment in time when you bought it as an investment that you could flip? And if so, like, how, like, just how do you think about collecting at this point in time um, with NFTs? So the bigger stuff like that, like the X copy, the punk and stuff, it's neither of the two you just said. So it's neither for the flex part of it, and it's neither, no matter what people may think, it's neither for that, nor is it for uh, the flip. I don't see it as a flip. Uh, how I, uh, you know, I see it more of a long-term hold and something that's vaulted, and that's something that will, like, I'd rather do put $50,000 in my ex-copy and down payment on an apartment in Montreal right now. I had yeah. the choice. I, I spent 40 ETH on a, where my vans go, uh, from uh, oh, when ETH drift. was three something K in, in back in LA. So I paid 138K for that. It's in the, my top. If you go to my wallet, I picked 12. You're going to see it's like 12 of my favorite NFTs. And that's why you saw the Doom. But that's my notable ones. There you go. See this here? Like I paid at the time it was like 140 grand, but like, but it's still, and, and technically in floor price, I'm up by 10, 15 ETH, right? Uh, but I don't, I wouldn't sell it for the flip, though it is a good flip. But it's something that I see, like I see Drift. As becoming one of the most important artists of our generation i see few as becoming that already i see x copy as being that already right most important artist ever in crypto art and art in general so it's and i have a beeple as well the giga chat and Ooh, it's just, that's yeah, a really good one it's notable fuck about that i was i was in a long uber ride and i was scrolling through i saw this guy selling it i dm'd him I'm like yo i want to buy it you got to unlist that i'm like you know i pepa lisa like i bought like 50 pepes this month alone in all in july about 50 of them 60 of them yeah what? Um, yeah, Wait, what? Nick, you I'm, hearing this shit? <laughs> I've been collecting in silence. I actually bought this Pepalisa for 3 ETH 10 months ago. Now it's like 16 ETH floor. And I, I still wouldn't sell it. But the average trader, see, that's why I'm saying, uh, Nick, I don't see it for the flip because maybe one day they will be sold. Maybe not. But I see those as like iconic piece of his history. And I want to have them because while I'm focused on building and working on my stuff in the space, you don't have time for the short-term trades and smaller type of stuff. So at least this, I know that in one year, in two years, in three years, in 10 years, it's going to be around. And I'm not worried about it. Now I have my short-term bag and I have my long-term bag. And like, you know, that's kind of how I see it because the more I get that trades get in the way of what I do, you know, you guys know that, you know, the more it's like, Oh yeah. The short-term stuff will wreck you just at, offered, attention wise. 
I got offered 150 ETH for this. I fucking minted it. It cost me 200 bucks. I paid 0.05 ETH for it. It's a four trait Murakami with the, you know what that is in the background, huh? You don't want to pull that up on your show, but it's, it's the iconic Murakami like sculpture thing. Anyways, um, but like I got for 150 ETH for that private once. I said, no, it was a lot of money at the time, but I don't know. It's just like, there's some of these things. It's just like, it'll be relevant over how many years. And I don't, you know, and say want it now. What, yeah, what is the background? Is it jizz? Yes. <laughs> I just, wanted, I just wanted to clarify. So, I don't... If you look at my, my Lonesome Cowboy, which is Murakami's highest sale ever, it's a $15 million sculpture. It's a pair. It's a guy and a girl, but the guy's like that. And he's like, everywhere. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's my Lonesome Cowboy. Yeah, there you go. $15 million it's sold. And it's the girl. She follows with her. And she's like, <laughs> I did not know he was putting down art like this. Okay, so it literally is yeah. jizz. All right, got it. So, he was like <laughs> laughing at me like it's ridiculous. So, okay. Um, the... Uh, I, I was so laughing with you. I thought it was a joke. Anyway, what, sorry. What, what, it, what inspires, um, like, what inspired you to pull the trigger that Because what you're saying right now, I understand uh, what, what, like, the thesis behind it. And there were a lot of um, investors and sort of thought, NFT thought leaders, if you want to call it that, like, early last year that were just like, especially like, I look at Punk 6529 and some of these others who were like sort of outlining kind of the long term thesis here. But for me, I'm a little more conservative with my approach. And so I ended up, I mean, I, I, I lucked out. Uh, but I think in terms of uh, like pulling the trigger on something like that, when you're describing it now, you're like, hey, I could have put a down payment on my apartment. I understand now, like we're so deep in NFTs at this point that like for us, it feels um, like we understand the rationale and we can look at something and be like, okay, yeah, that's definitely worth it. I would definitely buy it at that price. But a year ago, or now more than a year ago, a year and a half ago, I, I definitely would not have um, considered that. So, like, what what are you um, like at that point uh, when you got the punk? When you got, uh, I mean, I guess the um, Genesis didn't cost that much at that point in time. What is five hundred dollars? Yeah. So, what was the thing that like put you over the edge to decide to go get the punk at that point? Simple. I miss Bitcoin in 2012. I miss ETH in 2016. This guy's not missing NFTs in 2021. And that's why I told myself. I looked at myself in the fucking mirror. I was like, yo, you're not fucking this up again. Because your boy, while in law school in 2012, made a Bitcoin wallet to buy Bitcoin. ADD, boom. I forgot about this shit. 2016, all my Telegram chats, you know, like we were doing like shout for shout for Instagram pages and stuff. All these kids were buying ETH. Like, yo, buy ETH. I didn't have the boss to buy ETH because I was running my business. I was conservative with my money. I'm, I'm, a, I'm raised by a Persian mom, okay? Like, you got to be conservative with all this stuff. Like, so I missed that wave. I always loved crypto and wanted to invest in crypto, never did. 2021 came, I'm like, you're not doing this to yourself. You're not doing this. And when I saw NFTs, it's like, they're, and, and by the way, Nick, like, not a day goes by where I don't regret not going harder because oh, I had that, I had, I, but Nick, the thing is, I actually had the conviction. Like, I was, like, as soon as I found my NFT was, I shut down my business. I went all in. My time, my time, I did, I stopped everything I was doing yeah, for this. Her. Literally, like, nothing, my family hadn't, hadn't seen me for six months. Like, I, I, I was with my girlfriend, we lived together, we're in quarantine and all that stuff in Montreal. I was like, yo, like, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be spending 16 hours a day on this app and we talk about NFTs. That's all I'm gonna do with my life. And, you're going to kind of like have to like adapt to that because I feel like our lives are going to change from it. And I was right. 
But like, and that's just fully involved. But it's like, I, you know, so I had that level of conviction, Nick. But it didn't go as heavy like that because I was scared. But still, I managed to go. Yeah. And, and so it was really just like the the conviction and like not wanting to miss it. I mean, you had a bunch in addition to punks. You got apes. You got cool cats. So it's like yeah. you, you you had you had some uh uh you had enough conviction. I'd say even more so than myself. I bought like two cool cats and then I sold it after I made like. 200%, 300%, something like that. And I'm just like, wow, that's great. Should, like, should have held on that. But yeah, you can definitely have infinite regret. I feel the same lesson there, which is like, uh, when you see it, I had a similar reaction, which was, I'm going all in on this. I told my now ex at that time, I was saying, hey, like, I'm just going to go. Like, this is, this is go time, go all I'm in. Gonna, I'm going to go. Yeah, and the only problem was, uh, not backing up that conviction in this space, you would like previously outside of Bitcoin and crypto where there's a monetary incentive directly aligned with it outside of just building a business. Because with building a business, you follow the wave, right? Like you just like, and, and you go build and then the outcome is later. So you may, you may have set up all of your Instagrams, Tumblr accounts, all those other different uh, things, Facebook pages, and you end up with a network. That's the, the stock of Facebook is completely independent of your business basically but in the nft space it's it, it's it's correlated with it so like it, this is such a unique space where to have like known oh i have to also go put the money in but i mean you definitely i mean you did it so um and you didn't do it in a small way um you definitely made a bet bigger than i uh would have or that i did even with cash available to go do it. So I was like, um, in hindsight, yeah, I wish I had, but, uh, so you, you can't, you can't stew on that regret though. And I mean, I feel like the only way is forward and it's not like, uh, you've performed incredibly well, I would say over, over the past uh, years. Your collection's absolutely crazy for Oak. Like I did not know you had the Pepe Lisa, honestly, that may, cause I have a bunch of rare Pepe's. You just like making me feel better. Cause you know, this stuff does get a liquid. Are you looking at this as like a fine art purchase? Basically? Oh, I don't care about the liquidity of this Pepe Lisa. First of all, right now, Pepe's are liquid as hell. Uh, second of all, uh, uh, like I, that Pepe Lisa is staying for now. Like this is like, the, all, like if you go to my wallet right now, my last acquisitions, like they're mostly Pepe's, but you can't see because most of them are on the on Bitcoin. So either like on my on my fake rare wallet in in my you know my my free wallet. But like yep. you'll see, like there was a, I I went ham in this emblem vault the other day. If you want to see what I bought, it's just in the regular uh, wallet. Like uh, you don't have to go to activity. You'll see it's just right there. Like on my if you go to collected, that's oh, weird. Okay. The open sea thing now. You have to press on. Oh okay. Cool. Oh, it's not even in 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 order. That's so funny the way it shows for you. Okay, yeah, we can last yeah. Okay, so you're yeah, you're out here. You're buying yeah. rare Pepe's right now. Pia's so, ready to make this the rest of the interview. <laughs> We're just gonna discuss. I do the same thing. I'm obsessed. Like when you go in, like shitcoin card, got a four-year card, that Bane Pepe, like the Pepe Reaper, uh, other really world, fake rares. Like, see, like I you know what it is though, it's all about like it's, you got to understand culture and like where the space is headed, right? Like that's how you do good in the space. Is like I guess we saw it early, Nick. But, but the thing is, I really understood it because creating cult, like meme culture and like internet culture was like always what we were doing, like for fun, like creating this Instagram page. Like you know, like now it's like oh, everybody has that Instagram page about this and that. But at the time, like we were the first people like starting these like big Instagram pages. Like yo, we're gonna sell advert on them, and this. It wasn't like it wasn't like something anyone could pick up and do, right? 
And so I, it's the same thing. Pepe reminds me of this, you know? Still Pepe. That's classic by Looney. Uh, fu fucking legendary. All right. Well, we, we, you know, I could just keep going oh, here, but for the sake of... <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll move on. Well, you know, you, you just said something, Frog. You said something. You don't care about the liquidity. You know, you're buying these things during this bear market period. Me and Nick uh, were talking on the show this morning, you know, about, we just watched this documentary. Nick, Nick watched it first and recommended it to us. It's called The Price of Everything. And it's about the way business works in the traditional art market. It's about Sotheby's and the auction houses. Go ahead, Nick. You got to clarify the very high end of the market. That, that, that's the specific uh, portion of it because they don't go into details about like your local art gallery uh, which is in, I mean, every big city has dozens of, uh, if not more, hundreds of uh, art galleries. But so, yeah, it was really focused on either Christie's, Sotheby's, and basically $100 million collectors um, and billion dollar collectors uh, was the scale of it. But sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, you were, yeah. Anyway, um, you know, so we're, we're talking about making, you know, huge sales in the art market and the way that whole system works and kind of how the art market anoints artists as the next artist that collectors need to have, right? Mm. Um, you know, the way I've been thinking about that is I, I feel like that's going to happen. It's already kind of happened when you see Ferocious, Mad Dog Jones, Beeple, Micah Johnson, all these different artists that were actually auctioned by Christie's and auctioned by Sotheby's already. But we haven't seen the full adoption from the traditional art market yet. And I feel like a lot of the buyers in that auction, they were crypto buyers, right? Um, do you feel like a project like a or, or like a one of one painting by Fawocious or a one of one by Beeple, like your Giga Chat, or, or you know, I know that's like edition of fifty or something. Do you think that that is more likely to see massive appreciation than a Moonbird, for example, because that's almost like a startup, right? Like by Kevin Rose. I'm, I'm starting to think about like the fine art side versus like the tech startup side, and I don't know if you you think about things that way or you think it's totally separate. See, that's an interesting thought because it's a thought you have a lot especially in this market right where you saw a lot of pfps just eat shit and go down and then you see a lot of the one of one art and the bigger the actual blue chips come out which are the artists right and get massive sales and if i look at my wallet every time i try to chop up small little pfps they have i took probably more losses there than the art I bought with conviction and held over a long period of time, right? Like, like if you want to talk about pure investment, like my best investment, though I don't see it in as an investment, is like Jake the DJ and OSF. I bought Red Light District for 0 0.069 ETH and it's worth 14 ETH now. But wait, this, look at how much art it got me. I get one piece for free per month because I have RLD. Add, it, add up all the amounts of all of this and put it on a percentage over one year. It's technically one of my best investments. Jake the DJ and I bought his DGEN token for 4.2 ETH uh, because I love his art, right? And and I've gotten so many pieces of art. Every time there's an airdrop, it's another ETH technique if I were to sell it, but I'm not going to, right? But it's just like like that token right there. And, and I have a bunch. It's just different. He changes collection names here and there. So there's maybe like nine, 10 pieces now. Um, and it's just like when I see that, it makes me think a lot about that very question you're asking. You know, it's like have we all this time maybe not over – priced all of these pfp startup things because we haven't really seen anything but like just the small things they're about to do over a long period of time versus these artists are much more scarce and you know we'll work through a bear like you think jake the dj stopped working right now like he was just an art net and just blah, 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 blah. he's an artist he doesn't care right versus this that's why you saw x copy like the best investments people have made are what like punks 
apes also went that route. But like, if you look at the people who invested X copy early, people were in punks early, people were in fewer early, people were in like all these artists like early, right? And so it's uh, it's interesting to see. I don't know, man. Like people, if you look at it, the people floor not long ago went down to like nine or ten or eleven ETH. Okay, for editions of this, I might pick up Giga Chat at twenty five ETH with the physical. Okay, I love that. This is dope. I got edition 50 of 100, by the way. I love that. And I got the physical. His floor now is 30 ETH as of today, this morning. Okay. But they'll have the less volatility, but over a long period of time, I guarantee you, probably nine times out of 10, you should go the art route or the famous big artists like that than just the PFP you're about to buy for 30 ETH. Because what justifies a 30 ETH PFP? We were all like, you know, at some point, I held through my Azuki's at 30 ETH, 34 ETH, 3K ETH. Yeah. Looking back at it, I was crazy. Like, what the hell was I thinking? Holding an NFT for $90,000 USD? You thought that it was going to be the next board API club that went to 100 ETH. 34 ETH and 3K, I shouldn't have been euphoric and health because I had six. You know what I mean? There was so much. Uh, okay, well, that's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, not, <laughs> not, 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 not selling one is uh, bonkers at that I'm price. Also not to sell. So I'm a different case than everybody else in the space. That's different. But <laughs> the, the um, I, there's definitely moments of euphoria. I think back to August last year. The uh, the currency ran up to 20 ETH with ETH at somewhere around 3,000. So you're basically that. having a sixty thousand dollar piece that you just bought for two. And and like weeks prior, and, and 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 I remember um, my my ex saying, she was like, "Now nah, you got a diamond hand," and I was like, "Yo, you're you're all about. Look at that attitude. That's the right type of attitude." But I'm sitting there being like, "But are you sure? <laughs> like this is this is sixty thousand dollars is, uh, like it, it is life changing in terms of like." You, down payment uh, sort of stuff. You could buy a car. There's other things that you can do with $60,000 that are going to have a major impact. Uh, you could just save it. Like, like you could literally just save Or you could load up on ETH right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's like a bunch of things that you possibly uh, could do. And, and so I just remember uh, in that moment in August, seeing that you could have sold a lot of stuff and made uh, an absolute fortune. I mean, Art Blocks was on this just in, insane run at that point in time. I was buying and selling Art Blocks. That was also the time of loot. And literally in in minutes, you would uh, like I'd buy loot at two ETH. It would go to three ETH. I'd sell it at three ETH. It'd start going up further. So I'd buy at three point two, sell it at three point eight. And I'm just like, what is going on here? Like this is ludicrous. It's an infinite money glitch. Yeah, yeah. So it lasted for a moment, and then uh, and then that went away. And then I guess we got a little bit more of that pump the second uh, top earlier this year. Um, but since then, now we're coming back down. Uh, yeah, we're coming back down to reality. The art does in this moment look quite tempting, um, and there's a lot of in, uh, individual pieces. For me personally, at this point, it's more of like, which one do I actually feel connected to? Um, with buying that art and and seeing that go up because it's harder for me like I'm not going to buy something for uh, generally speaking 30k or, or or higher is not like I'm just not in the market for it I bought one punk and that was a lot of money and that and and I'm just like okay cool but um, yeah at this point I don't know I skew I definitely skew more art so are you 
you're collecting some of the um, Pepe's. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else at this moment in the market? Look, you already have like a pretty insane collection. And I'm wondering like, like what are you in it? Like on the collecting side now, what's drawn you in it outside of just like, you know, participating in the broader NFT market? Are you on the hunt the same way that uh, uh, like an art speculator would be? And are you um, also uh, like, are you thinking about selling at this point any of your stuff like it, for just general liquidity uh, purposes? I think it's a bad market to sell right now. I'm not going to lie. Like it's not the best sellers market. So I'm not necessarily looking to sell. I, it's funny. I, I wasn't buying for a while, like I, like not much. And then I saw the whole fake rare series eight collection. So with that I went in and I bought every single, I bought 39 of the 50 cards this month that came out and even more Pepe's and stuff. I went, I went with more conviction plays. So I, I bought a couple floors. Like I swept Jenkins the other day, not heavy, but I swept that. Cause I'm like, now I'm like, maybe, you know, I think that team's going to do good. I swept like Galvers. It's just a project I like. I like Emmy. I like what she's doing. So like I swept that because I see what she's doing in Japan and I'm really digging it. But it's not like, it's not big, expensive bets, but, you know, I'm trying to put more into like, you know, teams and people because that's what people are going to want after this, right? Like I, I even swept. <laughs> there, that's the one. But I swept more of, I mean, the Rug Radio collection the other day because like, you know, I, I, I'll bet on me any time of the day, you know, all day, every day, right? And like, I have a couple of your stuff too. I have a couple, like I like having like those are things that I don't care. Like I'm not gonna look at the prize for like two years, three, like a year, like unless there's a anything happens tomorrow. Who knows? Maybe this thing tomorrow is like three, four weeks. Then we're gonna re talk about it again. <laughs> but like you know, it's like it's like I'm not looking to liquidate per se right now. I'm I'm very comfortable with like the bag of like NFTs I have, and I think that's quite the large bet, especially after how much we've kind of lost in terms of unrealized gains in the last couple of months. It's scary. And now it's just like, I'm comfy. I think I'm comfy now. I finally have the punk I wanted. Um, and it's like just level of like, try to make the smaller plays now, right? Like even the Pepe stuff, they're not expensive plays. Like like a card is like, could be 0 0.05 ETH. It can go 0.34 ETH, could be point. It's smaller, like, you know, uh, plays like that. I've been buying a lot of art again, but that's just because I love it. I don't want anything out of it. Um, you know, I've bought a lot of NFTs. I was looking through July. I think I must've bought like, 70 80 she's i don't know a lot maybe 100 um i didn't count but yeah it was a big month do you feel like we've already seen bottom or do you think we're still heading towards the bottom the it's, is, it's a hard question to answer i know but it's i mean how much worse can you get like i get it could go lower but it's kind of not great right now in state of just nft market like my eat my macro whatever because we know that's like kind of like rip but like it's just like there's not much going on, right? And I don't think it's going to like, people are not going to stop building. New projects are not going to stop coming out. Um, you know, there's always going to be something that you can, I think, try to make a little money on if you're very short term, if you're a trader and if you're longer term too. There's a bunch now, actually. But I can't answer. I think we're, we're pretty low. If we're not at the bottom, we're pretty low, y'all. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but like, we're pretty low, I find. What do you think, Nick? Mm, on the crypto side, I think we well, got, yeah, I think we could definitely dump the NFT. So it's an interesting uh, position. The The way I've been thinking about it is, uh, I think I articulated this morning on the show, is that there's enough people in this space 
who have bags to protect at this point in time. And I think that you actually need, when you get an environment where uh, enough people have a significant stake um, and skin in the game, that they all have to uh, independently do things which uh, contribute to uh, you know those investments that they've made. And so I think, you know, I sometimes think, you know, how many ape holders are there or how many punk holders are there that uh, could see this go down. Punks, I actually, I hate saying this, I feel more secure in my punk than I do in my ape. I like both, but I think one has uh, a sort of historical relevance and maybe the apes end up having a historical relevance. I could see them becoming the collectible of, obviously, of Port Ape Yacht Club. Uh, they are, but uh, I'm... I'm Punks just need, I mean, yo, like you asked me my two biggest convictions in my entire NFT collection of thousand NFTs is my punk and my dune bikes copy. Like, it's like punk just need to exist to go up in value. Yeah. I don't care about anything else. Like, you know? And it still has, yeah, I think that asset class, I think the majority, what's really tough is the, lo the lower end of the market is just going to have a ton of pressure. Because yeah. I'm doing it myself where I'm looking, I'm looking at my uh, NFT portfolio and I'm saying, should I take another 100K out of, out of this portfolio and just put it in cash? Like, is that like a bad thing? And, and the longer that we sit in this state, the more that that low end of the market is just going to get absolutely devastated. And you're going to yeah. want to be holding on to great art and great, uh, the, the, basically the top tier projects of which there's, there's not a ton. <laughs> so let's be real. <laughs> No, there's like what five of them? <laughs> Pretty it's much. Hard. Yeah. And they're all owned by Yuga Labs. <laughs> well, like like you know, Meebs and Punks and Apes and Mutants and Other Side and Codas. And then you have the usual suspects like the clones and the Azuki that's still doing good and the and the and you know a couple more that extend out of that, you know, the Moonbirds. Um, I find I'm it yeah, Moonbirds have done really well. I find it interesting that Cool Cats is back at three um we we saw we see these temporary pumps but right now the market's not been able to sustain basically any of them like the, i haven't seen any that have been sustained including on moonbirds it came back down to 19 um mm -hmm. and i think that that's something it's hard to sustain a high floor in in this market it's, it's hard to find the next person to spend 30 grand on something 40 before it was easy now people won't just spend 50 grand like that well and the, and the result the issue is is also then if you can't, because the, the whole idea of buying the lower end of the market is that you hope that it's going to help escalate you into the higher end of the market. But that, that approach, which existed last year when everyone was talking about flipping X into, you know, a punk fl flip this of, I, I, I was like, I'm gonna flip a funk to a punk. Uh, I ended up not taking the time to do it just because it would be so exhausting. Although, uh, easy eats on our team definitely, uh, would have been able to pull that off and basically did. But I think, um, although he does, he hasn't bought the punk, but I think, um, yeah, it's it man, it's it's going to be quite tough. Which I, I'm wondering. So how are, how is this driving you with like your business with Rug Radio? What like what like, yeah? How are you thinking about that in in uh, this market? I mean, I we I I I feel like we we think about it in a similar way, but it's uh, useful to get that on tape. <laughs> so you mean how do I feel about? About like, how are you treating, you know, building your business in this? Um, so, like, there's us collecting stuff, and and all of us are actively, we have an NFT portfolio. 
yeah. we're actively collecting and we're now in a bear market. How, like, how are you thinking about like, um, yeah, how does all this influence the way the, the shift, the bear market, you know, influence the way that you're thinking about your business? I honestly, I've never been happier in my business ever in my life. Like this past week, like uh, it's funny because you guys catching me also on like a big, big, uh, big last couple of weeks, uh, you know, uh, high energy, high intensity, a lot of people coming into the company, helping us build. I don't know if you saw last Friday, we announced new strategic advisors that are coming in to really help me build the business. Uh, Mando, Mike Kriak, who was the ex-CEO of Mashable, and uh, he's a managing operating partner at Consensus Mesh. And, uh, and Loxley, who's, he's a good friend, a, a holder who's built multiple eight-figure businesses before this, a serial entrepreneur, and he's an expert with DAOs and everything. And I've, I've brought in a couple more that to be announced and we're hiring, you know, and we're building. So it's just like, I've, I've never been in a better place in terms of building just because though it's still very hard because you have to deal with like the market being wrecked, people lost a lot of money. You also probably lost a lot of money. It really sucks. And a lot of that market sentiment is slower. Things are slower. Things are more boring. Uh, you know, it's like less traction, less craziness. It's harder to get your floor up, you know, like and a bunch of stuff. So it's, 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 I'm trying to right now. It's funny. I'm curious to hear how you guys approach that too. You have to maintain entertainment, building and everything with short-term price action. Because since we all dropped NFTs, a lot of people judge what's happening with the project or company based on the floor, which is the wrong mentality, which thankfully is changing and has changed in my opinion a lot, but we're still not there fully yet. So you have to keep it going there while you're doing it there. So you have to build for the long term while building for the very short term as well to keep things going and hot and, and the attention span that keeps going. And also we're doing the shows like you guys. So it's um, the way I'm thinking about it is just like, I think it's, there's not ever been a better time to do so. And people are less busy um, people have less like crazy occupation. You have to be on trading out, uh, all the time. You don't have to try to catch the next bag of ETH always. So that's how I'm approaching it with the more like, you know, level-headed, uh, long-term, and I think smarter approach, honestly. And sometimes like, at least from my perspective, it feels like there just aren't that many people actually taking content seriously in the no. NFT space. What do you think the future of NFT specific content, you know, is going to, is going to look like? I mean, you have so much experience, you know, throughout the decades at this point with content. I'd love to get your perspective on that. It it's, it's crazy because we were just talking about this a lot today, actually on, on, on a meet in a meeting just before this, but it's like how much NFT content is too much NFT content because there are like the usual suspects, you guys and us guys, right. And in terms of the bigger shows and the audiences, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have a couple others, but at what point does the audience, first of all, there's not that many people left on Twitter listening to this content. So how many of them do want to do it more? And also like, at what point is it also com too complicated for other people to normies to enter and understand the content you're pushing out? Like the hell do they know about this? Moonbird is going up to ETH and this funny bag and that thing. And this other sideline, like, what do they, they don't get it, you know? So it's like, it's like, there's also this like barrier to entry, right? So it's like, how much content is too much content, I think. And it's also about going right now, we, I think we all need to focus on capturing audiences outside of our Twitter eco chamber while also maintaining that one because it's very important. It's OG, it's where the community is, it's where things, you know, like, come on, like this is like where things start and everything is fun. And it's, um, and it's like, it's really just about that. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, when to approach this, like which ways do we go about onboarding the next masses all while keeping the current ones entertained and hooked onto it, right? Like it's uh, it's interesting my approach to content. We're obviously going to look into like building content across every single platform, which yeah, it has to be done. You guys do the same thing. 
and we're already doing it. But it's um, at some point, I'm wondering how much is too much as well, you know? Because else it's the same people that you're catering to all the time across different shows because you've already maximized. Like, I have 306,000 followers on Twitter, which means if you look at the amount of wallets that are actively trading and even the people in the space, maxed out. Also, there's not 300,000 people that are active anymore in the NFT space per se or building this space, maybe 10,000. So like, if, if that, and so how many are you trying to reach? I think we got to focus on the content side, really going, getting them elsewhere, because first of all, the content they're getting on other platforms is trash. Like, yeah. you know, it's get, not from NFT native people. No. And, and I think it's kind of on us to go and, and, and get it. You know, I'm talking about platforms like Instagram, you guys doing YouTube, we're on YouTube right now, I'm talking about LinkedIn, how funny as it sounds, but I've been thinking about it a lot, though I don't really like LinkedIn, uh, but it's just like, it's just like, it doesn't matter because we got to go and do it. Gary V did LinkedIn. That was like a big oh, part yeah, of Gary V. Gary does everything. Gary does on every, con every, like he, he, I mean, if you look at Gary V, Gary V has the best team in the planet when it comes to like building content for a personal brand. There's no better team than the, I'm not talking about VaynerMedia, it's like Gary V, like the Gary brand. Yeah. The brand is the best nurtured brand. Well, Whether someone likes him or not, like talking about his team is, I know most of them, they're incredible people. Like there are, and there are a lot, well, I mean, I know most, I know Andy Kriak, um, you know, um, Kranak and like D-Rock and like Tyler and these guys, like they're, they're all stars and everyone around them. So it's, it takes a lot of people too. It's not easy. I mean, he's kind of become like a modern day. I want to say Tony Robbins without being Tony. You can't, you can't compare him in the same way, but um, in the sense that he's not talking about neuro-linguistic programming and some of this other, uh, like f the, your standard sort of self-help stuff. But uh, it, it is interesting that, yeah, how they've developed that uh, content arm around him and the multi-channel approach and content that's actually sort of custom tailored to each one of those individual channels. But it really is built on Gary, you know, producing, speaking a lot. Like, I mean, him really just like putting ideas out into the world on a consistent basis, both on like paid speaking, when he's on the plane, when he's in the car, when he's like going anywhere, the dude's the just machine, like- bro. But there's a machine behind it, you know? Like I want to build a machine where like we want to have content across all platform and you guys are going to start seeing it by the way and you're going to see the change very fast that's what i'm working on literally right now and it's like it is like and i want to have it everywhere you know and and i think it's important that's how i'm approaching content i think it's got to be everywhere but it's also going to be at the same time as that so it's not dilutive and 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 you don't repeat yourself and also not a you know it's just it's the quality doesn't lower it's got to be like organized and produced properly i think you guys are going about it very well like you know like it's like really organized motion this goes there that goes there this is what we're going to talk about like you know there's gonna be shown like we have multiple shows you guys have we shown solana we have multiple shows so i'm going to help like other shows like i really want to help produce like the other shows that are within the rock video ecosystem and, like get them everywhere as well and really start building out like that uh, across multiple channels I mean, it's definitely tough. The scaling quality content ain't easy no matter who it is. So, I mean, and there's not enough of, uh, I, I think you mentioned a couple of things. One that, um, well, there, well, there's two. There's not enough people in this space, frankly, that are uh, creating content. And then conversely, there may not be enough people that are interested in such content as well. So it does go both ways. Um, but hopefully, you know, I mean, 
I actually think for a moment, like when you think about art content, for example, because I've definitely, someone says my mic's messed up. Well, it works. I'll switch to this one then. Oh, wow. Um, we, Damn, I need a mic. So Hold we, up. We, we got that backup. Um, in terms of... Uh, it's in the box. It's in the box. I uh, just moved it. Well, we got to wrap in a minute anyways. But um, in terms of... Uh, yeah, how you build this out is quite challenging. But when you also think of the art market of content as well, it's not that extensive. Like we, we were talking about uh, the, the documentary over and over again because it's so good. But there's not like a massive genre of content discovering like you know, Sotheby's and Christie's uh, ad nauseum. I, I think that it's, it's, a, it's a niche niche market and NFTs are still in that space right now. But for us, we're just continuing to build. Um, and yeah, it'll be, I mean, it's exciting to work alongside builders like yourself um, who are building out you know, media and brands in, in this space at this point in time. So it'll be uh, exciting to see what happens. I think someone's got to do it. And it's really important that it also stays like people who really are native. Like I'm, I consider myself to be Web3 native content creator now. Cause absolutely, been, you guys are Web3 native content creator. And, and it's, it's not really just a plug in thing. I think it's important for people to really understand that. Cause like the day the big media corps and all this stuff try to come in and I've spoken to a few of them. And it's like, they try to come in the it's weird, but one day they're going to try and just come in and replace us, which is not going to happen because people are going to want to support Web3 native ones. But it's important to keep in mind, like we, we also want to keep pushing the space within the space. That's why our model at Rugby is you open the website, it's own the narrative. So we really, I really, my mission is to keep it, you know, we really have to keep it that way while making sure that we deliver content at the same standard as they are. Like when you look at the big media companies that are they're delivering really proper content and for people to come into the space and really understand it and join us on this mission, we have to be up to par as well with it. It's very important. I Starting by me, you guys have the perfect setups. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, you know, there's, well, there's, there's no always room for improvement. Yeah, always room for improvement. We have a lot to improve on, but uh, I have no doubt that your setup is going to be, you know, like even better in no time. Um, ladies and gentlemen, check out Farouk on Twitter uh, as if he needs any more followers. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, yeah, the <laughs> it, you know, it's like continuous growth. If you were thinking about following Farouk, don't follow us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the, the founder of Rug Radio, the co-host of GM NFTs with OSF and Mando. Um, and Farouk, thanks so much for coming, man. You're welcome anytime. And just can't wait to see, you know, what comes next with the content that you're making and, and also, you know, just the, the business that you're operating, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Also, make sure you buy some Rug Radio NFTs on OpenSea or any marketplace and some nifty portals while you're at it. You know what I mean? Support the media brands in the space. Let's go. We're out here. We're showing up every morning. We deliver good content. Whether you like us or not, we're actually out here and we have good intentions. I think all of us. So make sure you grab those. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. There's Thanks the pitch. Time. All right, ladies and gentlemen, see you next time. Please. Thank you.